Stupid fucked up, wicked high. Don't you ever just wonder why we didn't learn the true history? But now they're about to teach you and me. Oh, 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 oh. high story. Okay, cool. Mine's at two seconds, so I hope yours is at two some whatever seconds. Five, as well. six, seven. We're good. Nine, ten. Cool. Yeah. Okay. okay. Whoa. <laughs> the whole episode is just us Yay. counting. Woo-hoo. All right. Well, what oh. are we doing? Oh, you know, we're just recording a little podcast called Untold History. I'm Abby. I'm Liv. And we are doing this for the first time, not in the same room together. Yeah. Which. Which is strange, yeah. So even during COVID, I know we're naughty, but we were safe, don't worry. We would record in the same room, and then I moved. We were basically living together, yeah, so Yeah, it counts. Fine. We were all the same household in, in a larger sense. But yeah, since then I have moved to the great state of Arizona. Yay! I'm going to school for sign language, get my degree to be an interpreter, and to also kind of just lay around in the sun. That's nice, too. I have to say I did uh, deliver your cats to you, and I've never been to the southwest region of the country, and holy fuck, it was awesome. I can't wait to go back. Yeah, it's pretty great. You fall in love with it more and more every day. It's just very temperate. And the sunset, Mm -hmm. yes. And there's no clouds in the sky. I felt like I was in an episode of the fucking Truman Show. I think I said that in the car. Yeah, you did. This is our first recording of 2021. (gasps) It is. And post-storming of the Capitol. We usually don't talk that much about relevant... Or, you know, I mean, like, current events, because... This is a little But delayed. let's not let this one get buried in the history books. Let's continue to talk about this. Yeah. We haven't done this in so long. Who's going first? I believe you went first, but I'm not 100% well, sure. Well, let's believe that because I'm actually very curious about your topic because you almost did a topic that I've already done. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. I got halfway through Does the Does that research. mean that you don't listen to me? I think no. that means you don't listen to me. And Abby, that's what this podcast listen. is about. That is not like, what happened. Her name was under a different name. Her first name, I think, was like translated differently. It was. It definitely was. Because when you texted it to me, the only thing that made me realize was her last name. Yes. So then I was like, and I'm literally a full page into research, which... <laughs> For anyone listening, our research usually is like it's like three two pages. pages, yeah, two maybe. three pages, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm through half my fucking research for this. I'm cruising after work. I'm like, I got this. I got. You're this. like, this girl's amazing. I love. And her. And then it clicks yeah. when I write this one fact out about her. I'm like, Abby fucking did this person, and I know it. So I actually took a totally different approach based on a conversation that I had with a co-worker of mine or I think it was a co-worker it might have also just been a friend I don't remember honestly oh we haven't smoked any weed so yeah we get really high on this show and maybe beforehand I had a little chocolate before I got on those chocolates fucking smack I mean my god you eat half a piece of chocolate 
and you are done. That's why I took it right timing because it takes a little bit to set in. Right. By the time it sets in, I won't be like incapacitated. Okay, let me smoke a little bit of weed and yeah. then I will get rolling. I think you're going to like it and I think you're going to have a lot to say, which is kind of what I'm excited about. Oh, Okay, take it Here away. Here we go. I am doing the history of menstruation. What? Ba-da. No. Okay. Okay. So it all got sparked when I was having this conversation with, honestly, I don't remember who it was. It might have been fucking Gabby. I'm not 100% sure. But we were talking about, oh my God, no, it was my friend Ruby. Anyway, we were having this conversation about how periods have changed over the course of history and how as a vegan, she truly believes that we only have periods that are as bad as they are, quote unquote, today, Mm -hmm. strictly because of our diet and like the toxins we consume and all this shit. What? So I had to look into it. I was like, I'm super, super fucking curious. So if you've ever wondered about a question like this, there's this woman named Helen King. She's a historian who specializes in medical history and recently she retired as a professor of classical studies. Oh. She wrote her PhD dissertation about menstruation in classical Greece. So her focus was strictly women in ancient Grecian times. Yeah. But she also okay. authored several other books and has a blog called Mistaking Histories, which is super fucking rad. And you what? have to check it out. It focuses on this untold aspect of female yeah. history. So is she believing in the theory that the reason our periods have gotten to the extent that they have gotten is because of the negative advancements of society she hints to it and by that i mean i okay. think she she's emphasizes, more of like a factual yes base. so she goes through like five different things which i'm going to cover with you it's pretty brief mm-hmm. and all these different theories from different areas of the world and there's just no way to negate this is me speaking there's no way to negate the fact that we are simply more stressed you know than yeah. we ever oh, were definitely. even just 20 30 40 years ago i mean we look at oh, your parents 100%. all the time and we're like yo your parents are super fucking chill but they also grew up in like the 60s hippie era of the midwest yeah. and didn't really it's like have very different lo- stressors you know? that's yes. what it is it's that exactly. there's like different expectations and different stress and different toxins in our food not as much plastics that we're consuming Consuming, that oh, we're breathing, yeah. we're eating. Well, and you think about your topic could go so much farther because thinking about the difference between America and Europe and, you know, all the countries in Africa is that everyone is so different about what they put in their foods and where they find their foods. So it'd be interesting. Super to true. See. I actually made a note on our archive topics that it's a quote unquote shallow dive because it really is not super detailed. Most of the information is, like I said, based on this woman, Helen King. And it's based on like American history. Well, like I said, her emphasis was Grecian studies. So she wanted to look at, it's more of a historical view on the period, not necessarily regionally based. Yeah. Yeah. So let me get into it here. Here we go. So I got most of this information, like I said, from Helen King. It was Jen Bell though, she um, asked her to share a few things in a Clue article via HelloClue.com. It's possible, she starts out, that women had fewer periods 
periods and lighter bleeding just because their diet was not as hearty as it is now. So that yeah. kind of goes along with Ruby's theory. Yeah. Like fatty, high Right. Not as much protein. There's not as much carbs. Yeah, like, right. Just it's just like they're not eating fucking three square meals a day and snacks and dessert and late night snacks. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're not doing it. Yeah, well, and if they're having a dessert, it's so different than what we think of as desserts now, you know? <laughs> that was hilarious, what? but you're absolutely but right. But it's true! Like, a hundred years ago, when you were in, like, Victorian era, you weren't wolfing down cake. You were, you like, were like, oh my eating God, a lady finger. I'm gonna have this tiny little crumpet that's, like, the size of my fingernail, and then I'm gonna go, oh, I'm so stuffed, and go to bed and have some tea. And, like, that is what you did so for snack. Okay. I know, I know. I'm reining it back in. Here's the thing. So of this era, the common expectation was that women would bleed heavily and regularly. So that was always the expectation. That's what they wrote about in medical books. That's what they expected in the medical Mm -hmm. field. Okay. So even though this was rare at the beginning of like humankind, because like we just said, women weren't getting fed enough. Women didn't, they were basically malnourished. So they weren't bleeding as much as men thought they should be. And that was an issue, right? So this goes back to a belief found in the 5th to 4th century BCE in Hippocratic texts that women's flesh is more like a sponge than men's flesh. So it absorbs... Oh, wait. They believe that it absorbs more fluid from what is eaten and drank. And so from what a woman consumes, she gets more of... It's just like, this is insane. You know what's funny? It's almost like that is like an early, very dumbed down thought of like what a metabolism is. If you think So then they think that the blood and the fluid that a woman secretes every month is the extra fluid that she's absorbing. And if it doesn't come out, they think that the woman's ill and that that the blood could rot or go somewhere in the body to cause an infection. This is literally what they're thinking right now with no no evidence to back it up. No medicine. By the way. Wait, do we know what year this is? What year is this is this thinking? This is we're talking like Aristotle time. Oh, okay. BCE. Way back, typical Um, Aristotle, speaking of, since it's his time, uh, he mentions menstruation as being like the flow of blood from a sacrificed animal. Oh my god. Jen Bell, who wrote this article where I'm getting all this information from, she attributes this connection to sacrifice being very important in keeping up communication between humans and God, aka super dope, women are the portal to life. All well, I was gonna cool say shit. that has been a thought for a long time, thinking that women are closer to Because God. they can create. Yes. And exactly. they can create like him. And, so early yeah. modern Europe, namely German history uh, that we're looking at now, refer to a rag. So now we're analyzing the statement of where on the rag comes from. Okay. We're jumping to on that. The Have rag. you ever heard that? Like she's on the rag. Yeah. 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 No, I, it's not used I don't. I don't know. Either. I've heard it. I remember hearing it in like the eighth grade. I feel like. What? That sounds kids. like a very edgy like She's term. on the rag. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. It's, it sounds like very 80s. But so there are accounts of like German people literally like wadding up rags and like shoving them <gasps> in between their pussy lips to like absorb all that shit. So that's well, like, where. like the first tampon was a stick wrapped. Hold with, like, on. Cloth. I'm going to debunk that in like five minutes for you real quick. Oh, God. That is actually something that this woman writes about how like that is a common misconception, but there's literally no record of that. Oh, there isn't? Not in 
Egypt, as it's been said, or wherever the fuck they said. It's literally a ploy made up by a tampon marketing company. Uh, you gotta be I googled me. that story because yeah. I was like, I've heard that too. Like, I want to know the history of the tampon, the history yeah. of the pad, the history of the menstrual cup, all of it. And so, yeah, I'm going to get into that here. We're, we're moving right along. Like I said, we're talking about the Germans account. They use the rag, wadded up. There we go. Yeah. Others argue that the term on a rag derived from the clothes that were literally ragged after being worn during a woman's period. Oh, well, yeah, because you think about they would have their, like, period pants. That's basically. literally you know, what like, I thought of when they was the episode of Broad City with the period Yes, panties. with the period <laughs> panties and the period pants. I can't even remember what, like, old Victorian movie I watched, but that's a situation that happened. They have, like, special bloomers for when they're on their period so then it doesn't ruin their, like, nice clothes. Well, and she touches briefly. I didn't, I forgot to write it down, actually, now that I'm thinking, but she touches briefly about how those women who had access to bloomers that were specifically worn for periods like those were also the women who could just stay home when they had their period they had the money and the funds and the resources to just stay home to just like not do anything literally and like some of them would just sit on like a bucket and like bleed out for two fucking days or whatever you know what i mean yeah they would like stay in the bathroom and soak in the tub probably there were some accounts like... that i that were like these crazy rich bitches would pay these like witch doctors and these witch doctors would make them like sit on arugula plants that were soaked in wine and like literally shove this plant up their pussy and like sit there on it and sh- bitches be crazy because they thought it would help with like pain or like child birth preparedness or fertility or whatever the fuck okay so here is something that i literally made so large on my page because i was like this is very important we need to remember that all of the sources we have access to in relation to historically accurate texts are from that of a male perspective and women may have had their own way of making sense of things even early women writers like jane sharp who was a writer in the 19th century. Uh, She was working within a model of the body, of the human body, that was derived from Greek and Roman male writers. It wasn't open for interpretation. She couldn't come in there and be like, actually... I think the fallopian tubes are here and that once a month an egg travels down. They were like, bitch, no. Yeah, like, it's your body, this but you don't know what's going on. This is what the text is. So here we go. The biggest myth out there is that the ancient tampons myth, that the ancient Greeks slash Egyptians wrapped wool around a bit of wood and inserted that. There is absolutely no evidence from the ancient world about this. And the myth seems to originate, and I put shocker in like little asterisks from a tampon marketing website i'm kind of sad though because who knows because i do have a little bit of evidence from egypt that i found on a cannabis site it was about cannabis and women and like the history of both Mm -hmm. um and it talked about these essentially that design so like wool or like papyrus or whatever the Uh cotton wrapped around a stick, soaked in THC, like cannabis oil, THC oil, and they would insert it into the vagina before childbirth to like numb the area and act as an epidural. That is so cool. Like a natural I'm like, yeah, maybe it wasn't used to soak up blood at the time, but they definitely had something similar. Okay, so this was another funny thing I wanted to see if you had heard of this. It said a close contender for the biggest myth about menstruation, more generally, is the theory of menstruation. Menotoxin. 
The idea Wait, that women emit a toxic substance oh when menstruating. Into, like, our blood or, like, into us. This others? is what it says. It would explain all these customs around the world by which women don't make jam while they are menstruating because it won't set properly. Shouldn't bake bread what? because it won't rise. Shouldn't preserve meat because it will not keep. Or shouldn't have a perm put in their hair because it won't take. No, you know why? It's not that none of it won't happen. It's that you're going to have an existential crisis while doing it and ball your eyes exactly, out. dude. So, I don't know. There's some who believe menstrual blood is a blessing and it's sacred. It's a libation offered to the gods. Yeah, I mean, it's been used in holistic ceremonies and beauty regimes yeah, for literal forever. centuries. There's also accounts of blood being thought of as cursed, though, just because everything is a blessing. Oh, it's also a curse. Is. According to Roman texts, it would kill some crops and sour the wines. <laughs> Duh, it's gonna sour your fucking wine. It's menstrual blood. Okay, bro. Okay. He's just reaching There was the also straws. this one Roman naturalist who believed that periods ruled the weather. So there's that guy. So here's like to wrap up. The feminine hygiene industry as we know it started in World War One. During World War One, soldier bandages from cellucotton were used by nurses. When they were in the field, they found the material highly absorbent and cue the launch of sanitary napkins, yeah, which replaced what had been used prior, which was ultimately a modification of the rag, a reusable pad that they would just use and wash and use and wash until they yeah. could is not washed anymore. Tampons arrived on the scene in the 1930s. Side note, menstrual cups also made an appearance in the 1930s, but that was quickly made to shame. And like, no, ew, Well, okay, gross. you know why though? Because it's like, how dare a woman touch her own vagina? That was her thing. That's you can't be digging had... around up there. No, that's why they had You got no business. Yes, that is your private spot to even yourself. Like That you is God's country, it. okay? You don't touch it. That but is yeah, so funny. So, well, that's it. So then they were literally like, sanitary napkins, don't got to touch anything. You know, tampons, you got the applicator. Right. And then they're like, diva cup, oh my God, you might as well like be a lesbian. That's where their mind went. And it was like... Exactly. People. And there was a note in there that said the sanitary pad, like the the napkin, whatever the fuck. Why was it ever called a napkin? Ew. It was attached to yeah, a belt. Yeah, that's come the longest way in terms of like development. Literally, it said the tampon has like not fucking changed since 1930. No. It's still disgusting. 90 years later. It's still a wad of fucking bleached cotton that you're shoving up your pussy for hours on end. Yeah. Like, into your body. Here's just no, a fun fact to bring it full circle back to marijuana. In 1942, the Journal of American Medical Association recommended the use of cannabis drops for PMS-induced oh. migraines and other symptoms. Uh, interestingly, just last year, it published a statement that cannabis is officially medicine after reviewing 79 clinical trials. Weed can be traced back to ancient India and Egypt to assist in menstrual symptoms in childbirth. That's what I just told you about, the tampon cool. soaked in weed oil. I got all yep. that information from a dope timeline of women and cannabis. Yeah, Ooh. it's called Kin Coco. It's a women-owned cannabis-infused tea company. Ooh. And they made this whole article. It's fucking cool. But That's yeah, amazing. that was everything. Yeah. That was really interesting, Liv. I honestly never would have expected that topic. That was a 
a very awesome surprise. I, I knew you would. And there were, so there's just like three little things I want to get your take on because these were my thoughts after doing all my research was like, mm-hmm. we're definitely facing an issue. And I don't, I don't know if that's the right word, but it needs to be addressed. So I, I'm calling it an issue. With women's menstruation today, I feel like there's this huge stigma attached to that. An attitude of like disgust due to generations of cultural shaming on a global scale. So like, what do you think could be done? I mean, do we do we need to lean into plant-based options? Do we need to lean into reusable or taking down the stigma? I think that's it's a no, but I feel like we need to focus on the stigma of like thinking that it's disgusting. I think that's definitely made it a big issue because you can't just say, Oh, I'm on my period. Like when I had my job, there was a woman that lived there and she literally would never say the word period. And it was to the point where I had to sit her down one day and be like this is why you have a period this is what's going on it's nothing to be embarrassed about right. every man woman child whatever knows that when you are an adult you have a but period. we're just like not taught about it like i didn't know any of this you just can't talk about it periods are real and they're not yeah. scary to use in a sentence periods are a heated topic we could just like go on and, on, yeah. and on right it's like if you are not heated <sighs> about periods get out, get out of here Cool. I liked your topic. Mine is wild. Okay. Different. I'm ready. I think I'm going to switch from this Percy Bong to a yeah, one that's though, totally fine. I'm going to rearrange my screen so a little bit. Okay, fun. So I'm doing this woman named Harriet James. Okay. I found out about her because when I was Googling what to do, her name popped up and I was like, hmm, what's this? So she was a slave and she wrote an autobiography explaining every grueling nasty detail about her life as a slave and it's deemed when i googled it an american classic yet you don't learn about it at all like it's on no school curriculums none it's on no school curriculums and i might be wrong it may be in the south so if you live in the south and you learned about her i'd be curious okay i got my sources from pbs Britannica, and then pbs wikipedia yeah, PBS. Support. Why are you PBS? Okay. And I'm going to say her book right away because I'm going to forget to tell you guys about it. I know because I'm going to get pretty high and have another beer. Later on, you'll learn about this, but she wrote a book and it's called Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl. So I'm going to tell everyone about her because she's fucking cool. I'm and excited. the shit she went through, like, goddamn girl. Harriet Ann Jacobs was born in 1813 in Edenton, North Carolina. So from day one, both her and her brother John were already enslaved by this family the horn and blow family but it shouldn't have really been the case because i find out you're gonna learn about molly she's a badass but harriet's grandma molly was somehow freed she like bought her freedom at some point and she was free so technically the rest of the family should have been free but harriet's mom delilah got kidnapped by white plantation owners and if you get kidnapped and you're black and you're in the south no one comes to help you. So she got kidnapped and everyone was just like, mm, whatever. And that's how Harriet was then forced into so slavery. So she wasn't even born into slavery. Technically, no. She was born into slavery because her mom was kidnapped. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. And when Harriet was only six years old, her mom passed away. And then she goes and lives with the daughter of the tavern keeper. So that's her master. Hmm. His daughter gets Harriet. She like teaches her how to sew, how to read, how to write, and kind of just like breaks every law in North Carolina at the time and says like, fuck it, I'm going to take care of this six-year-old girl because she's like a child. Has a heart in her. 
Chess. Yeah. Yeah, because she's like a decent human being. Yeah. So, oh, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Who thought that'd be a hard thing in the South? So the woman, unfortunately, passes away when Harriet was 12. And in your will, you, like, write the help off to, like, whoever oh, yeah. is next of kin. So Harriet's three-year-old niece... Mary Norcom, but because Mary's so little, her dad is like the owner. And his name is Dr. James Norcom, the worst person. James gets a hold of Harriet's brother, John, and is like, you can come work for me so then you and your sister can be together and like work on this. Oh, so kind of you, kind slave master. (laughs) You let me and my brother just be together when we're 15 and 12 and both of our parents have died. Like, thanks. Um, Are the cats being asked? (laughs) Are the cats being asked? No, I don't know where my cats are, honestly. That reaction is a cat reaction. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting way up top. No, you're doing great. So the brother comes to live with the slave owner. Yeah, and she's 15 John's 12 at the time. Right away, James, this is the slave Mm -hmm. owner, he starts to sexually harass Harriet. He would, like, do the whole, like, whisper nasty things in her ear and, like, come on to her. Uh, So you're saying he was not, like, sexually abusing her? No. He was not. And I researched hard, and everything said that it was just harassment. That it was just very, like, crude I'm not saying that that's not awful, but I'm also saying, like, I feel like any other slave owner with a young black girl would just i don't know well and i think the thing is is that harriet was very quick-witted and never was playful to the point of getting survival she was smart she was smart she would always put herself in that situation where they were in front of his wife or they were in public or they you know so she she was very strategic very strategic to not be alone with him Mm -hmm. ever smart Ever. Yeah, so she did this whole, oh, I'm into you, but not really, but whatever thing. And he agreed to let her go live with her grandma, who's free. And this is how she meets this love of her life. She meets a man who's black in the South, but free. And he goes to James and says, I want to buy Harriet's freedom and I want to marry her. So I saved up all my money and I want to <sighs> buy her. So then she'll be free with me. And Cute. Oh, but James says, the fuck you are, and literally kicks him out of the house, says, don't you ever fucking try to come back again, goes four and a half miles down the road, builds a tiny ass cottage, and makes Harriet live in there all by herself, and like isolates her, and like doesn't allow her, like she doesn't have any access in and out of the town, and basically just like puts his trophy in a little trophy case way off in the distance, and like doesn't let her talk to anybody, and then continues to like visit her and try to like get her to have sex with him. This sounds familiar to me. Maybe you've learned about it. There might be a movie about it anyway. Oh, I don't know. Maybe. So she realized that James is never going to leave her alone. So she meets this man named Samuel Sawyer, and he is a local white lawyer in town who is unmarried. So she befriends him and strikes up a romantic relationship with him, Mm -hmm. has children with him, and pisses James off to the point where he is like, get the fuck out of my house you are never to return again i'm gonna make you regret all of this threatens to like sell off all of her kids and sell her off out of state and like do all this shit she decides that she's gonna escape and like go into hiding and at this point she's like fuck it james is like a psycho he's never gonna Hmm. leave me alone like i just need to disappear and then he'll forget about me and it'll all be okay so in 1835 she at first she hides and like she has this plan with the neighbors so she like goes around to the different neighbors homes and they like 
shield her and hide her and whatever have like these plans to like get her to and from different locations she lives in a swamp on the outskirts of town and then she goes to her grandma's house because they have this tiny crawl space in their attic above their porch and she lives in there in this tiny crawl space that is nine feet by seven feet and it's only three feet high for how long seven years shut the fuck up seven fucking years she lives in a crawl space that she can't stand up in like the most she can do is sit because if you think about it it's an attic space so you know how like attics have the little like angle so it's only three feet tall on one side and then it like goes to a point she's living in this tiny fucking crawl space and james is still like out to get her so he's even more pissed now that she like disappeared why does he not think that she's just dead i don't know he's literally like a fucking sociopath because now he's even more frustrated that she just like up and left him so he takes her kids because they're technically Mm -hmm. his like under his property or whatever yeah Yeah, and he brings them to the public auction and he's just like fucking sell these two kids separate them and sell them both out of state like i'm not fucking around but what james didn't know is that this auction guy and Mm -hmm. sawyer the lawyer are best friends so then he just goes hey sawyer do you want to buy these two kids and sawyer's like of course i will because they're my kids so then he like gets the two kids that are his and he's like awesome cool i'm gonna send you both up to new york city to live with my cousin so then they both go up to new york and like live their merry little lives and then that's like happening throughout the whole seven years of her in this damn little cubby and <laughs> of her in this i just like damn little cubby <laughs> I can't imagine. All she did was read newspaper and sew. That's all it said that she did. She would come out like occasionally. And I've occasionally literally been living exercise. her life for the past year. So yeah. Not like... in a tiny little cubby. <laughs> oh my God. And it like came to the point where she drilled holes into like the walls and the ceiling of the cubby. So then she could have light and fresh air. This girl, the shit that she went Okay, through, so what happens next? Tell me everything. So after her seven years, she So gets does she out. have a plan? Is she going north? Yes. So she has a plan. So with the help of all of her neighbors and her grandmother, they like smuggle her to this boat that brings her to Philadelphia. And then from Philadelphia, she takes a train to New York City. And then she gets reunited with her daughter, which is so cute. And then unfortunately, she gets to New York and is like living her best life and fucking James finds her. Like James literally finds her in New York. Finds out she's up there and he's like, to hell you're living your happy life. I'm going to come kidnap you and bring you back to my plantation. This is real. People have to restart their entire fucking existences because other people just can't accept that they don't love them. And think about this. This is the fucking like 1800s. How in the world was he finding her? He had to have been like hardcore stalking. The fact that they didn't have internet, they didn't have phones, and he was just like, I'm gonna find you. That's true. That girl was not posting on her Instagram stories. Okay. No. Well, and it even said that she was living like a super, super like timid life. She was living in a coffin. I mean. Yeah. Because so she did that for seven years. And then she, like, continued even in New York to, like, be really careful about where she goes and not make a scene and not draw attention to herself because she's like, I don't know who fucking he knows and, like, if he finds me and still fucking finds her. And it's still legal at the time in any of the states. You can just go there and be like, that's my person and take them Even in the north? Mm Mm-hmm. 
even in the North, it was still legal to come back and be like, that's my slave. I'm putting quotes around it. That's my property. And like, take that back. That should be the cover of the episode. Abby's quotes around the like, entire frame. Oh, it just pisses me off. The fact that yeah. like, there's not only like, like. She got out. Like she got out. Yes. It's double jeopardy. Once you yes. get out, you shouldn't be able to. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and the thing is, it's like, she not only was, like, property in a literal sense, is that, like, James, like, metaphorically thought that she, you know what I mean? Like, she was all the aspects of a property, and that is, like, the most shittiest thing to deal with. Fortunately, though, she had a lot of friends and family in New York City, and they're like, fucking James is not coming near you, and sent her to live in Rochester because her brother John was up there, and he was legally a freed slave. So he was okay. able to protect her and then she like went into hiding and everyone was like fuck you john after 10 years of living like that she was officially granted her freedom. i was gonna say is that like a document or something yeah so that is when right after the civil war and then they declared slavery illegal so when that happened all men and women that were enslaved were like freed her friends urged her to write an autobiography about this because her story and what she went through her entire life was like something that they were like you need to tell people about this like people need to know what is really going on because they don't see what Mm -hmm. you went through and she became the first woman to author a fugitive slave narrative in the United States. So she was the first ever woman to do so, to like write down word for word her account of what it was like to be a slave in the United States. But she received no recognition at the time because during the exact same time that she was publishing her autobiography, a couple escaped slavery and they wrote a novel together about them fleeing north and like seeking refuge. And because there was a man's name on it, it sparked international news because his name was attached to the novel and Harriet purposefully wrote on her novel written by me no one fucking else but she did publish her book under a pseudonym Linda Brent and yeah so that James couldn't find her what happened to fucking James he literally lived his life and then died just like a fucking fuck face wife didn't leave him nothing still had his dick it was annoying still had his dick So she renamed everyone in the book to avoid James, to do all that stuff. After her book, she went on to devote herself to relief efforts in and around Washington, D.C. to help former refugees of the war. So she started to help other freed... The Civil War? Yeah, the Civil War. So she helped newly freed men and women find work and employment. And then she opened a school in Virginia and then moved down to Georgia to continue that work. And then she just like dropped off the face of the earth. Literally for the last like 12 years of her life, there is just nothing, like nothing on her. She just like ghosted everybody. So she started a school though. What kind of school did she start? It was like a school for refugees and people coming back from the war, people who were recently freed, who needed to like get on their feet. It was like a school to kind of help educate the population because they were like muted from learning Mm -hmm. all that. But then ghost town for 12 years and then she like comes out of nowhere and then it's like, oh my God, she died. And then she died in 1897 on March 7th. That was really good. That was a good story. I had a good story. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. We'll see what happens with the inauguration of our new president-elect Joe Biden this week. Hope for some My customers at the cafe keep saying that it's going to be a civil war. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I mean, yeah. Just, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, hey, uh, cheers to you. I will. We'll clink glasses. Here we go. <laughs> Yay. That, that go. worked real well. Cheers. See our corresponding Instagram posts for any additional resources, or feel free to reach out to our direct email at untoldhistory, spelled H-I-G-H-S-T-O-R-Y, at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Like, subscribe, and follow us on Instagram.